Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. The Porcupine with Adam Nutter. What is up, fellow porcupine? That's oh, lame. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what to call you guys yet, but it's not that. It's not that. I promise. I'll make it something better. That's lame as fuck. But welcome to the Porcupine. Thanks for joining episode number 10. I am Adam Nutter, your host. Uh, real quick off the bat, there's some uh, upcoming show dates for you guys. So you guys come out and uh, watch some comedy. It's a great time. Uh, this Thursday. Oh, shit. So if you're listening to this today, which would be uh, Thursday, because it comes out Thursday. So today I'll be at uh, 8 Ball Comedy in uh, Astoria, Queens, New York, 8 p.m. show. Come on out. So if you listen to this early, come out to that show if you're in New York. Um, and then, oh, for all you libertarians out there, of course, listening to the show, I'll be doing the Tower Power Hour podcast August 2nd, 9 p.m. Check that out. That's going to be a shit show, fun time. And then uh, I'll be in Steinies in Staten Island on August 11th, 8 p.m. And then, of course, the pop-in August 14th, two shows, 7.30 and uh, 9.30, I'm sorry, 9.30 p.m. Come on out. Uh, that's Chalfont, PA, right outside of Philly. It's a great time. We run that room once a month. It's so much fun. Droptent.com slash events for all your tickets for all that shit. Go on, get it out. Come on out, have a good time. Smoke some weed together. It'll be good. I promise. All right. I am done with that stuff. Guys, my guest today is the great and wise Todd Hagopian, everybody. How are you, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me. Oh, Todd, thank you so much for coming on. Um. So, Todd, real quick, I just ask all my guests this because I think it's important for people who uh, who might not know who you are, which, of course, everyone knows who you are. I'm the person who no one knows here. So, of course, everyone knows who you are. But for, for those who might not, um, what brought you into the LP? Like, what's your little, little background into the you know foyer of liberty and freedom and what got you here? Sure, absolutely. The um, You know, a lot of people have that one moment where they go from either GOP or Democrat to LP. It wasn't really like that for me. It was probably in the 2010 timeframe when Ron Paul and Justin Amash were both starting their runs um, and, and having you know some success. I was in Southwestern Michigan, very near where Justin Amash was running. Uh, so I had some exposure to him and started to listen to him more so than Ron Paul, believe it or not. And just um, listen to how he was explaining his votes and what his positions were and started to question some of the stances. I had grown up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a democratic bastion you know, in the Midwest. Um, and I was a super conservative and I had developed some really sharp elbows. Uh, I knew how to make every conservative argument uh, as hardcore as you could possibly make it. And with Amash, I started to come around and question some of those arguments, figure out if I really believed them. And it was really a slow evolution over four or five years that got me to the point of being really close to libertarianism. I considered myself a libertarian Republican. I actually didn't even know the Libertarian Party existed because it just wasn't relevant um, in that area of the state. Uh, I I literally didn't know it was there. Um, So I was part of the Tea Party and then moved towards libertarian Republicanism. Um, And then as Donald Trump as it became clear that he was going to win the primary in 2016, I went out searching and looked at all the different platforms out there and realized that there was a Libertarian Party and it really believed just about everything 
that I believed in. Um, and that was enough for me to make the switch. Uh, so that's how I that's how I finally became a registered libertarian and a part of the party. Interesting. So you like most people are like, yeah, I heard of libertarian party, but I don't know what it was. You were like, I didn't even know it existed until like 2016 or like around that time. Wow, it's fucking that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I could not name a candidate that ran for the libertarian party prior to that. It just was never. And, and it might have been because I was so conservative, you know, that it right. never just entered my mind or that it, they just weren't big. And that's part of Michigan. You know what I mean? Right. Um, they definitely weren't in Ann Arbor where it was super liberal. You know what I mean? And then southwestern Michigan, there just wasn't a whole lot of politics to begin with. So uh, it wasn't until I moved to Ohio in 2015 when I really started to get exposed to the party. OK, so. Two things. So something interesting that I've been noticing, uh, that especially I've been talking to a lot of people uh, on this podcast, even just people out in, just in the country, I noticed a trend. And I don't know what it is. And I'm sure it's, again, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I've noticed that you always see a lot of liberals or progressive Democrats leave progressivism and or liberalism, whatever, and go to liberty or even go to the right. And you see a lot of people on the right go to liberty movement you never see anyone in liberty moving to the right go to the left ever yeah. <laughs> why you know i wonder uh, why that is but you could turn a lefty right like way easier than you can a righty it's a very fascinating thing so i'm noticing I, that a lot that people kind of go either liberty or right leaning i think it has something to do with the finance aspect mm-hmm. of politics so once you become a fiscal conservative it is hard to become a liberal a fiscal liberal, you know what I mean? Once you understand money, once you understand debt, once you understand the fact that um, we are spending too much and taxation hurts businesses, mm-hmm. you can't unlearn that stuff. Whereas you can look at social issues and evolve your view mm-hmm. as you meet more people and are exposed to new ideas. That would be my guess to the answer to your question. No, that's a great, that's for sure a great way to look at it because you know you're right. We're we're all at that point where it's like I don't care what you do, but it's like don't spend my fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, yeah, you're right. We all we all get to, especially I feel like a certain age. Once yeah. you own something, your whole outlook changes. <laughs> like everything, like you know, like once you own property, you're like it's fine. Don't fucking touch it. Like don't no what? Like it's like you're so like. You, you 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 really your brain does like a 180 yeah. it, it, it's something about it where it's like own sense of ownership right and like a lot of guys written about that too but something else you touched on was like economics right and like that's why i always say like go read basic economics for everybody out there i know it's like a libertarian 101 book but like for anybody who doesn't really get money like i don't really understand money any more than the next guy does but you read basic economics you read some other stuff about stocks and how that's bullshit and like you know how fiat currency is just bullshit and it's evil and you're like oh and all of it starts to make a lot of sense to you but the basic mm-hmm. economics that's a great i would say gateway into like really opening people's eyes and to be like oh i get it you we just can't take you just can't print <laughs> you just can't get <laughs> which is the problem we're gonna have now which is i'm assuming we're probably going to see another 2008 type recession probably soon. Yeah. And it's definitely possible. I am uh, as a small business owner, I'm certainly hoping not, (laughs) but, and I, I was talking to somebody the other day, I think that there's probably going to be another year or so of a wave here where everyone's still feeling good and still spending money. Um, But yeah, it'll come home to roost. It always does. The bubbles, bubbles collapse, even just the material price bubble 
collapse will take home prices back down, which will trigger other things. You know what I mean? And um, so, I mean, the bubbles will pop. They just always do. Yeah. Now, do you, I mean, this is pretty much a pure, purely because we're printing money at an all-time clip right now. <laughs> I'm assuming inflation's like, what, like crazy a high percentage than it was even like yeah. a year ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we can't keep up with the with 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 the mo- with the money because people that's the thing people people right people don't understand is is like we'll just make more money it's like well you can't <laughs> yeah and, and but that that's what's hard trying to convert people so i guess yeah. my question to you is like how because like i i feel like it's our job to try to convert people to the liberty movement who or even not convert yeah. people to liberty movement but even just open up people's minds to like i don't want to say truth that sounds like also kind of lame but like just how it really is like, hey, man, this is how money really works. This is how the stocks really run. This is how the inflation mar- or the market really works with inflation. I feel like it's our job to do that to everyone. I'm not saying you have to be a libertarian, but at least no money. So what's your excuse me, like, what's your approach? Because like, if I just start hitting them with that shit, people are like, whoa, I'm too strong sometimes, right. you know? Yeah, and I think um, so. one thing first, we're not in quite as bad a position as people think we are. We may get there. Um, but we are at 5.4% inflation. It's my understanding that 2.7% of that is actually just us rebounding from the drop that we had okay. uh, in COVID. So 2.7% is kind of the real inflation number, which is still 50% too high, right? So, yeah. so it's still way higher than we need it to be. But we do have an advantage right now that we're over 5% because it gives us a great talking point to start illustrating what this means. Because essentially, inflation hurts poor people, and poor people um, tend to understand that having less money is bad for them. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So people that are super rich and want to give all this tax money away and this and that and don't care if they pay $10,000 more in taxes, they don't care about 5% inflation, but poor people do. Um, And so I think it gives us a chance to go and talk about, you know, this is how much um, your milk costs now. This is how much your meat costs now. This is how much your back to school supplies cost now versus what it did before. Did your incomes go up, you know, based on inflation? No, it's a tax on poor people. It's a regressive tax that hurts poor people and not rich people. And it's a tax that your government put in place by lying to you mm-hmm. and telling you that they were trying to help you. So, you know, while businesses got hundreds of thousands of dollars, you might've gotten 500, but you will pay this inflation. Inflation doesn't go back down. Okay, so that's there. And then it'll go up again and again and again over the years. And you will spend that thousand dollars five times over. I think there's an, there's, there's an important distinction there that you said that a lot of, I think people who get, who are unaware of how it works don't understand what you just said, which was, oh, well, I don't have to pay more in taxes because they, they, when you, they hear taxes, they think, oh, April 15th, I have to pay. They're like, no, 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 no. You don't. You're right. And that's, that's the loophole. That's their catch, right? They're like, no, you don't. They, those big guys have to pay it. And the, so poor people are, and then poor people, dumb people are like, great. But what they're getting you is, well, you have to get milk every other day. You have to get food every other day. That's where it's hitting you. And that, those, because the food tax is going to go up, the sales tax is going to go up. So they're going to hit you way more throughout the year than they are that one rich guy for that 10 grand. Yeah. Which is what people and by the understand. way, 
And by the way, they put in all these, you know, one-time things where they're giving bigger child credits mm -hmm. and stuff like that right now. So you have, you know, you're a poor person, you've got four kids, you might be getting some $13,000, $14,000 tax credit this year and probably next year, you know what I mean? And then suddenly that's going to go away and you're going to have a $10,000, you know, or $8,000 reduction in your tax credit. Right and that's right. going to hit you. You know what I mean? And that is a tax. Um, so, so these things are the things that we have to show them is that they're putting temporary measures in place to make you feel like you're not being taxed. But when this comes home to roost, you're going to be paying more every single week at the store. You are going to be having these tax credits be removed from you or even paid back. People don't realize these checks for the child tax credits are a portion of their return that they will no longer be getting in April. They're just getting it early um, and things like that. So just stuff that we need to we need to start talking about so that people can understand um, that yes, you're paying it, you're just paying it in different ways. And even worse, instead of raising your taxes, they're just lying to you and hiding it from you. Mm -hmm. Yep, it, it's it's a big, right, you're right. It, it's just a big hide game. It's hide and seek. It's hide and seek with mm -hmm. money. It's just all constantly shuffling around, loophole fills. You know, it's like, oh, we're not charging you for this. And then it's like, we're actually going to charge you for this instead now. Double more than we would have normally for the other thing, or whatever A, B, it doesn't matter, whatever top product you want. Uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's our job, to, again, to tell that to people. <laughs> like, yeah. you have to understand, if you make less money, taxes hurt you more. Because, <laughs> again, it's not about April 15th. It's about the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, I do want to touch on obviously uh, you and I are Mises guys, and I know uh, you. I believe jumped on the, the Mises train a little later yep. than I would say I, me or a lot of other other of us will, which is which is fine. We'll, we'll allow it, Todd. Well, we talked about it. We we met. We, we said we'll let Todd in. <laughs> no, I'll get it. Uh, no, but so what made you? And I know, but again, for everybody out there listening, what made you finally be like, all right, listen, I I'm done with the games. I'm done with the party i'm done with the other caucuses mises is what's up i'm going full-blown mises yeah so i mean again i haven't been a libertarian even that long right so right. it's 2016 i came in as a pragmatic as most libertarians do because they just came from somewhere who was big government and they're sliding into the liberty movement so i came in and i was part of the pragmatic caucus again didn't know much about the other caucuses not even i don't even think mises was around really until 2017 yeah 2018. Um, and so I had never heard of them. I, I was an Austrian economics guy, uh, but that fit in pragmatic. There's nothing right. not, not pragmatic about that. You know what I mean? Um, and so as I slowly started getting a little more and more minarchist, um, so I'm still not anarchist. I know a lot of folks are. I'm, I'm more of a minarchist. But as I slid towards that direction, I started looking at the different caucuses and decided I wasn't really going to be active in any of them. I was convinced to run for chair uh, in 2020. Um, that happened in 2019. I announced and started running for chair and got to know Josh a lot better. Uh, we had always been kind of Twitter, you know, acquaintances, but got to know him um, good and bad during the race, right? Because they're running against each other. But um, but after I dropped out, I endorsed him and got to know him even better. And then a couple months after that is when I officially joined the Mises Caucus. Um, and it all came down to, they were actually doing a lot of the things that I was promoting, which was taking the 34 planks and trying to narrow it down 
to a select few that could be very easy to sell to people um, and to recruit off of. And so the property rights plank, the anti-war plank, the drug mm -hmm. decrim plank, um, they, and the Austrian economics just felt to me like the things that I could get passionate about and actually recruit on. Um, and, and so that's what I decided to come over to Mises. And, and it's been a great journey. You know, I've, I've made a lot of great friends. I think, uh, obviously, the caucus has taken off since 2020. We've, we've seen explosive growth over the last two years. Um, and it's just been a great experience. Yeah, no, I'm I'm always psyched to be a part of it. I'm glad you're a part of it now. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I think what they put out at the beginning of was it this year, or I think January of this year. I want to say the Mises call it was an email, and I was like, "We're going after these five things." It might have been this year or last year. I don't know, my my brain shot, but <laughs> it was like you know, like we're uh, end the wars, end the war on drugs, end the lockdowns, and uh, protect against police brutality, protect against rioters. You know, like, like this is the stuff we're focusing on. Stuff that meant money, you know, the stuff that matters, not, you know, what bathroom you can use or the fuck. It's not important. <laughs> you know, we have other important things way more pressing in society, like way more pressing than that. It's like, like yeah, like we have, again, cops running around. Did you see that video that Scott Horton put out? Uh, these two cops beat up a homeless guy and murdered this dog in the streets. And it's like, cool, great job. <laughs> Good job, tax dollars. By the way, tax dollars. Like that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like people don't get that. This all goes to the hurting poor people. <laughs> there wasn't a rich guy they beat up and shot his dog dead in the street. It was a mentally right. ill homeless guy who yeah. like wasn't really causing a problem to anybody. And they're like, well, this is solved now to them. You know, that's that's the issue. Um, but again, let's go back to music stuff. Uh, so I feel like yeah, that's very important stuff. What is your take on? All the hate, man. Like, what, what, how do you combat it? I just, because like, how, how I do it is, again, I don't have to be as professional as you. <laughs> I'm a comic. That's why I tell all, like, the like everyone in the music is who's, like, running for office or, like, or, like running for a position, something of importance. I'm like, hey, let me be your foot soldier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'll get in the trenches, dude. Like, I'm the, I can't lose anything. I'm a comic. I'm garbage. Let me talk shit. Like, I'll be that guy. So, like, yeah. How do you deal with the with the haters and the cathedral caucus and all and then, then the straight up just lies and slander because that's what they are. There's yeah. no truth behind them. There's lies and slander and doxing of of our caucus. Yeah, well, I mean, I tell people first of all, you know, each individual in the caucus doesn't represent the caucus as a whole, sure. right? The caucus has a platform. Um, so unless you're referring to the platform, then I don't really care what example you bring up of certain person that said something in a random tweet that I don't know the context of, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on individual beliefs because everyone's allowed to have their own beliefs. Do I believe, you know, do I make tweets about all 34 planks of the platform? Yep. Because I believe in them. Um, but it's just not how I choose to recruit. I choose to recruit through the Mises planks. You know what I mean? Um, now, and, and so the other thing I tell people is I've met hundreds of Mises people, literally hundreds. I was at the last convention, was with hundreds of them. Um, I have recruited over 50 people in Oklahoma, you know, and I do not know of anybody who believes what everybody says we believe. <laughs> so, um, so that's about 0%, you know, out of hundreds. Um, so are there people on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter's a cesspool. Every group on Twitter has terrible human beings in it. You know what I mean? 
Um, and, and it's fine. You're allowed to be a terrible human being too. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's allowed, you know, um, you know, and am I gonna, am I going to denounce every time somebody's terrible on Twitter? No, because that's all I would do if that's what I spent my time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's how I start to do it. And then the second thing I do is I say, you know, what you do have to look at is that not every state and not every situation Mises and the other caucuses are, are anti each other. So in Oklahoma, you know, we had a very, very civil chair debate, uh, chair race. We, Mises took more than 50% of the XCOM. Um, we came into the convention with only about a third of the delegates, uh, which meant that we had to form alliances to win. And we did. We won every single seat that we ran for. Um, and and we worked with them and we showed them. We walked in with with paperwork to file different motions and different bylaws and planks and showed them how uh, professional we could be and how we could work with the other folks. And that's what Mises looked like in Oklahoma. And everyone saw it. And everyone you'd talk to would, would agree that that's how we did our business in Oklahoma. And since then, we've doubled in size uh, and we're continuing to grow. And so that's what I view Mises as um, now. It's not anyone's fault in the other states where it got more anti, you know what I mean? It's just because of whatever leadership was in there or whatever, um, it, you know, situations happen, but it's not necessarily the norm. We usually talk about two or three states when we're talking about that, whereas there's something like 29 states or something, 37, I can't even remember that we've taken over at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, we've been crushing it. <laughs> like, I mean, now I'm in PA. And obviously, you know what went on in PA. And all. <laughs> Again, I'm not rehashing it. It's fucking yeah. everybody's like, I don't want to talk about PA. I know. It's, it's, I'm just saying. Uh, but that does lead me into what I do want to talk about. Obviously, the next year, we'll start with next year, I guess, is the PA race for next year. And I don't know if you know what, what the plan is, but like, I mean, Dave's coming out, Tom's coming out. Like, it's going to be like 500 people there. It's going to be like 400 Mises. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be wild. So, obviously, the plan, I think, is to at least get board members on every at least state uh, yeah. i would assume is is the goal for us um what do you want to see happen next year for the lp and mises yeah yeah so by the way i joined lp uh pennsylvania after that yeah and I'm Are you coming? at the convention so. oh yeah we're hanging out dude we're hanging out yeah. we're, we're hanging out you and i we're gonna fucking party yeah but, <laughs> uh, make it work with the convention schedule and everything but that's my plan right now so um, because I figure it's going to be a mini national at that point. Like, there's so many people are going to go. So excited, yeah. and not even for like, not even so much for the actual political stuff. Just to hang out with everybody, it's going to be a fucking yeah. blast. Like it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> like it's it's going to be a it's going to be like uh, I think we're doing like stand up there again. Like it's, like like, yeah. like we're doing like a whole event. It's going to be so much. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. It's going to be a great time. And there's no way we're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> like this is. I mean, they would have to do, do some New Hampshire shit. Right. <laughs> to try to stop us i got my so my parents still live in staten island new york that's where i'm yeah. from by living pa now uh they still live in staten island they're moving out here next year i already got them to sign up to the pa party and like start paying when you're coming yeah. <laughs> like, dragging you out to fucking the middle of nowhere <laughs> in march next year in the cold ass march in the middle of nowhere pa and you're gonna vote these assholes out yeah. <laughs> who lied yeah it's amazing <laughs> Uh, the the good work that the national Mises has done 
and starting to gather all the information about when you need to sign up and when you need to do this, like we're doing it in Oklahoma right now and getting everybody signed up as a, um, even for national delegates, you know, signed up the way they need to be so that they can be uh, national delegates next year. So, I mean, as far as what we're gonna do next year, obviously state XCOMs are important um, and every state's on a different calendar. So it's just, um, I don't even know how many states are gonna have XCOM positions open. I think we're only gonna have uh, regional spots open in Oklahoma. So our focus is twofold in Oklahoma. We're focusing on our national delegates and we're focusing on our um, our committees. Uh, so get more of our folks on committee level positions, which were not up for election this past year, like the judicial committee and, and a few other things. Um, and so, so anyway, national delegates is probably gonna be the focus of the overall Mises Caucus. And the idea there is we obviously have to have more than half in order to secure victories for the entire slate of Mises that'll be running. Um, or we can have a third and have coalitions, which is probably the more likely answer, um, which I think we all need to think about. And I think um, Michael's done a really good job working with the radicals and trying to find, you know, some some lines of communication and and things that we can work on together. Um, and I think that's a great idea because that stops us from having to win 50% and then force everybody out and the coalition building is exactly what we've preached and we should do that. So in our state, you know, we're probably going to have 12 to 14 delegates and we'll probably be looking for nine to 11 of them to be Mises. Um, and, and chances are we might leave three spots open and just allow mm -hmm. for other people to be elected, you know what I mean? And not force our, even if we had 51% of the, um, of the delegates at the convention, we may do that. And, and that's in the spirit of, you know, working together and building alliances. And I think there's ways that we can do this and and maintain good relationships with everybody and still show up at the at the convention with 50 some odd percent of the delegates. Uh, and I and I really think that that's gonna happen. And I think we'll get our slates elected. Uh, and I believe our slates coming together pretty well. No, that'd be, I mean, that's, that'd be great if that all worked out in our favor. What, um, what do you think about uh, Angela Chances winning yeah, I think Angela is going to win. Yeah, I think, same. first of all, I, I don't know of any Mises people that are going to vote against her, yeah. right? I've heard almost nobody. Um, so, I mean, there you got 30 to 60%, depending on how we do on the delegates. Um, and then on top of that, I know a lot of people that aren't Mises who love her. Uh, and and the fact that Joe ended up exiting helps us um, just because it would it would have been harder to run against an incumbent. And I'm not sure that Whitney's going to run um, I, I have not heard either way. I have a question for you. How is she, isn't she still the chair of Texas? She is still the chair how, of Texas. How does that work? Is there not a conflict uh, of interest? I don't know about conflict of interest, but it's obviously hard to, hard to be a chair of the largest state here, one of the largest states and be a chair of, of national at the same time. I can tell you that, um, we, we have had very good experiences with Whitney. She's our regional rep or was our regional rep. I have nothing against Whitney whatsoever. If she were to run against Angela, I, I'm 100% Angela. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. And I don't get the feeling that she's going to run, but I don't know her. You know, I don't know right. her. I've just met her. Um, but she's attended a couple of our conventions and helped us when we needed it. And um, I mean, she's, you know, I have nothing wrong with, I have nothing but good things to say about Whitney outside of, 
you know, abstaining on some key issues that I think she should have probably voted on at the national level when right. that was all going on. Um, I don't like abstentions. I think that's that's a weak stance. Um, and I wish she had not taken that weak stance. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, as a person, as a leader, I've seen good things from her. Um, but Angela would beat her. So. No, for sure. I, I, I obviously I hope Angela wins. I'd be key for and then also Angela's like great like she is great at like also like um getting everybody together like gathering yeah. people together and like hey let's all stop this shit let's come on we, you know, yeah. like she's a unifier and yeah people it's been interesting her. I've heard her reach out to people like I know people on the left side of libertarianism that have told me hey Angela reached out to me mm -hmm. and we're working on this together and she wanted to know how this message would resonate and I mean, those are things that we've never had in a candidate, you know, of people reaching across the aisle and not just slinging mud um, because people so far haven't slung mud at her right. uh, to a certain degree. You know what I mean? So it's allowed her announcing this early was a really good move because it's allowed her to take the high road early on and reach out to a lot of people before everything gets heated. So I really think that that was a smart move on her part, even though some people, you know, thought it was too early. I, I think the difference also is Angela has a army of fucking monsters behind her, like us that will like defend her publicly, and like we actually have people who listen and like as opposed to let's say other caucuses, who you know they'll just scream into the void for two followers, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. who do you think is gonna win this? Like yeah. the people with voices or you? Like it, you know, like we're gonna probably so don't even don't do it, just don't do it, and it happened so far. Yeah. So far, <laughs> but it's not yeah. next year yet. So, you but, know, and I think she's going to help the whole slate just because she's reasonable. Um, she makes great arguments. She started to um, evolve her message and, and, and strengthen her platform. Uh, but the anti-lockdown, you know, that was her big push yeah. was was literally something that um, that no no competitor of hers will probably be able to say that they were as strong on that issue as she was right. um, because she was calling it out early and often. Um, and it's, and it's basically how she came out swinging right out of the gate. So. Uh, a lot of people resigned in the last few months that are upset. They lost <laughs> or upset. The Mises Mises caucus is doing well. Um, the whole entire pragmatic pragmatic caucus dissolved. Yeah, which uh, this is funny. I'll uh, this that that was that happened like an hour before a P. I'm I'm the state board rep for Bucks County in PA. That yeah. happened like an hour before uh, the board, the state board meeting. So they announced during the state board meeting, and people started like clapping <laughs> that they dissolved. <laughs> um, that was pretty funny. Uh, so they dissolved. A lot of people resigned. My. My idea or my thought, my theory is they're either two things gunning for one more nuclear bomb lob to try to dis dismantle what we got going on from the inside, or they leave and start their own party. Yeah, and I have thought a little bit about that. So, first of all, I was pretty surprised uh when the caucus dissolved that one that one caught me <laughs> so i was not surprised that individuals resigned i was surprised that the caucus Same. dissolved and i bet you that there were a bunch of members of that caucus who were angry mm -hmm. um because that sounds a little bit like the leaders dissolved the caucus because the leaders were pissed 
and thousands of libertarians were members of the caucus who would have liked to have kept fighting. Um, so I think that was the wrong move for them Preach. from a strategy perspective, you know what I mean? Uh, and it made them look like five-year-olds. So that was terrible. Um, you know, and, and what I said after that was, wow, you know, the Mises caucus has been getting their ass kicked for years and we haven't dissolved. You guys are winning by 12 in the fourth quarter and you guys give up. Yeah. You know, we haven't even won yet. Yeah. We haven't won a position, you know, like we haven't won hardly anything yet. And and they gave up because we were getting too strong, you know. Um, but anyway, what do I think is going to happen? Um, my guess is, and some of them publicly have said, that they're going to step back and let them watch us fail. So their idea is, is that instead of a million votes, we're going to fall to 300,000. You know, we're going to say stupid stuff during the presidential election and, and get destroyed we're going to not know how to run state parties and you know lose affiliations and lose ballot access like that's their plan is that we don't know the politics of how to run a political organization um and and we should be careful because if we take every single spot on national we will lose a lot of deep knowledge you know what i mean so mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we don't prove them right but that being said, there's a lot of smart people in this party. Uh, the strategy alone that's putting us in a position where we could take national uh, shows that we know how to play the political game when we have to. Uh, and I am not worried about it after watching the states that have taken over. We've done an incredible job at growth. Um, on top of that, we've had some high profile people resign. But if you look at the monthly memberships uh, for national, They've actually risen, the mm -hmm. people that are paying on a monthly basis. Now we have had um, a decrease in membership, which always happens after a presidential year. It has not been nearly as drastic as the last decrease in membership uh, post-2016. Um, but I think that it's more the high-profile people who have been around for a long time and are pissed that their caucus is losing than it is the general members at this point. Yeah, you also said something interesting when you were like, uh, oh, they think that we can't run a political party. It's like, you can't. What are you talking about? It's like, what do you, yeah. you haven't been. That's what makes it very annoying. You just want to grab by the yeah. fucking throat and be like, you are not making sense. <laughs> You're being hypocrites. They haven't done shit. The fact that they have the balls to look at us and be like, you guys want to know how to debate. You haven't been on a debate stage yourself. Yeah. How would, how do you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't see Jorgensen up there with Biden and Trump. He was on the sidelines <laughs> with us. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's the the fact that they really think like Dave, hate Dave, whatever. The fact that you can't objectively be like, well, Dave's at least a great public speaker is bullshit. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we're dealing with. We're, lot, you you can't. It's like uh, this is why I uh, tell my wife sometimes. I'm like, you, I'm like, you're arguing like a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's like it's like little kid argument logic where it's like, uh, I'll just not make sense, but it makes sense to me, so it has to right. make sense to you as an adult. And it's like, no, it doesn't make sense at all. So I'm just gonna make it not make sense. <laughs> like you know, like this is no, no, no. Like we don't have to go by your game, dude. Like little, little kid. It's it's like we're the adults. You don't know what you're saying. We don't know what we're saying either. But let's have a fucking chance at it. 
Let, yeah. Let's get Dave up there. Let's get him debating. Let's try to get him debate. Let's try to get him. In, uh, people follow him. He has a fucking name. He has a following. He has a cause. He has a purpose. People know him from comedy. People know him from Fox News, CNN. So they know him from mainstream media. They know him from alternative media. And they know him from comedy. He has a giant following. Uh, Legion of Skanks and Part of the Problem, his two podcasts, get way more views and downloads than any CNN show. Or Fox News show. So the fact that these people think like, oh, we're going to run so-and-so from fucking so-and-so. Great. Great. What does that mean? Who are they? No one cares. They don't have a a voice. Again, you have to have a following, but they don't have a voice. They don't have have that bravado. Dave does. So the fact that they're going to sit there and be like, well, Dave can't. Dave will run circle. And not because it's Biden and all the jokes about Biden being just gone mentally. If it was Put any Democrat up there. Kamala. He will run circles around her. uh, her, He'll run circles around DeSantis. I mean, anyone, it's not even close. But the fact that they don't want to give him that chance tells us everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think even the fact that the National Party seems to play favorites about presidential candidates this early is confusing to me so uh i think it was what was it and was it your state that invited scott horton but didn't invite dave or was that the i can't remember so but yes anyway. so yeah so yeah. we had uh yeah scott was there i met scott for the first time it was he's super yeah. super awesome um yeah so they turned down dave maj uh jeff uh everybody <laughs> except and they reluctantly took scott yeah because yeah. I mean, what are you going to be like? No, the anti-war guy can't come talk anti-war at a libertarian fucking convention. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's what do you, they said no Tom Woods. I mean, they said no everybody except. Yeah. Except Scott. And uh, then, yeah. And then finally, the LNC allowed for Tom Woods to come and speak at a convention uh, at the LNC convention. And I thought that reaction was hilarious. If you remember, Oh yeah. you know, thousands of people, supposedly probably 10 people. Um, went nuts and told them, you know, that they needed to stop it, even though he's been he's been a speaker at conventions in the past, but now he's affiliated with the Mises Caucus. Therefore, now he's bad, but before right. he was good. You know right. what I mean? Um, and and so yeah, it's just it's silly. I think that um, and and then their reaction, you know, to New Hampshire right afterwards just showed everyone a lot of what they were about. And I think people are sick of that. They're they're they understand that we are not the ones causing the division um they are causing the division we are trying to actively recruit and get the party bigger and no matter who the presidential candidate is it's going to be better than last time uh i can tell you know we're going to have three to four great candidates running and a lot of excitement and we are going to be recruiting and bringing in a ton of people and our candidate's going to be more competitive even though obviously hornberger was competitive last time he was number one um going into it you know what i mean um but i mean it's going to be a great great race and that is going to be good for libertarianism that's what we have to understand yeah i i agree i i truly believe that uh if they run quote you know if they run <laughs> and uh whoever his he vp whatever uh i i don't see them losing like our our nom like the nom i just i don't i I think but especially by it'll be 2023 right yeah that's when he'll get that's when we'll find out who no 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 2024 is when we'll find out 
Okay, so 2024 is when we find it. Okay. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay, yeah. So 2024. Yeah, all right. I'm dumb. So 2024, we find out. So uh, I think so. that's three years from now. Think of how much people that Dave's pulled in and Mises has pulled in since for the last two years, three years now. Tax three. It's only going to amp up. So you're going to have way more people now voting yeah. uh, and at the convention and for yeah. whoever's allowed to vote is going to be able to vote. And I just, again, I, the other sides, all caucuses, even, uh, even the ones I like, the other ones I do like and get along with, even they don't have, they don't have anywhere near the numbers we yeah. do. So this isn't a shit on them. It's just that I don't see us not having the numbers because I don't see anything out of the other sides growth wise. Yeah. Yeah, and even if you put aside the prags or the radicals um, for a minute, one thing I've always heard from the left libertarians is we don't have that one voice. You know what I mean? That one voice. And I think all three of those groups right now don't have that one voice. You know, we don't really know where Spike fits into the to the mold. He's just kind of well liked across most of the most of the caucuses. But there's not like a radical candidate. There's not a prag candidate unless it's maybe a mosh. Uh, and there's not a left candidate. And so Dave's got a huge advantage in that he's put his name out there uh, in, a, in a big way. And, he, and he's got a platform to recruit. Um, and remember, it only takes, you know, five or 600 people to get the nomination. Um, and right. he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, if not more. So, I mean, you, you, you get 500 people that are willing to pay their own way and, and work to get elected as delegates, you know, and, and it does take some work but we've got three years to get those people onboarded and it's going to be on the state parties to really make that work. So we focus on getting our guys involved, getting them a good state resume so that by the time those delegate elections happen, they get elected as delegates and then can help us elect our candidates at the convention. Yeah, no, that that's, I has to be the plan, obviously. Uh, uh, real quick. I do want to talk about just, uh, before you get out of here, uh, just your uh, Oklahoma. What are you guys doing there? Like, so what do you guys got going on in Oklahoma? Anything on like on the horizon? Anything? Any cool projects you got? Any good ideas you got going on? Yeah, so we've done a lot here in Oklahoma. We were only a two-person um, caucus probably two years ago, uh, and we have moved up now. We've got about eighty people in the caucus. Um, we obviously, like I said, took more than half of the XCOM. Um, we did a big three project where we got the three largest, um, three largest counties in Oklahoma back up and running or affiliated for the first time. So we started three large county affiliates, got those going. Uh, we're currently working on trying to fill 10 state executive or statewide election spots. So next year is an interesting year in Oklahoma where there's governor, senator and then actually eight statewide positions mm. and in oklahoma you need two and a half percent in a statewide position to get ballot access for the next four years so the idea that we're trying to do is actually fill all 10 slots which the democrats don't usually do in oklahoma they usually pick and choose and only go after a few okay. which means that we would actually have more statewide candidates than the democratic party um, and that's one thing we're really trying to push in Oklahoma so that we can start making the argument that it's time for the Democrats to become the third party in Oklahoma. And we're putting forward the effort, you know, to become the second party. And really in these in these ultra red states like Oklahoma, you have a legitimate shot at right. starting to do that as your numbers get bigger and bigger. 
that's yeah, it's interesting. Is uh, it's actually not a bad idea either. I guess you could do it in red states too. You could kind of play to like the population a little more and be like, you guys can kind of agree with us too, right? right. <laughs> like those guys are evil. <laughs> yeah. And then we limit our competition down at least a little bit. Um, the other thing I did notice though, with us growing, I notice now way more attacks from the top, like mm -hmm. government attack, like as in like uh, you know, like anybody talking about anti-government shit's a terrorist is like no. Yeah. <laughs> that's what this country is founded on <laughs> it's literally anti-government shit <laughs> like what are we talking about now I, I you see it already on the horizon like where it's going like where they're setting up for like they're there because that's a sign of fear and, and you know the republicans yeah. aren't like fighting it so they're also right. scared so they're like yeah, yeah terrorism because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're like just keep them the fuck you, you notice that the red and blue always team up when yeah. it's to keep green and fucking libertarian yeah. party away <laughs> like, yeah. like i i talk to larry sharp about this all the time like uh, every time he goes to run on the ba ballot for New York, both the Republicans and Democrats are like, we're best friends now. You can't come. And yeah. it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? It's like, like, no, no, we made up. You, we, we love each other now. You, you know, you can't come. And then as soon as, as soon as he can't make it, they're like, fuck each other again. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's wild how it works. <clears throat> it's like they really, it's, it's really like the Joker and Batman scenario. They yeah. need each other to keep each other going. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to a donor about this just last week um, because they were concerned that if we did the 10, the 10 candidate strategy, right, that it would, it would almost trigger that reaction. And it's like, okay, let's move the two and a half percent threshold up to 10%. Right. Um, and my argument was, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, We've yeah. got to, you know, eventually if we want to start winning elections, we got to get to 10%. So we can't cry about, you know, the efforts against us. Although I think that if they did that at a time when we were growing so fast, that we would have a great, um, a great argument and get into the news with, you know what I mean? Oh, that, for sure. and, and so I think that it, it may backfire on them now, whereas when we were small, they could have done it, you know, and not, and not drawn so much fire. Um, but you're right. I mean, it does happen. We can expect that to happen. Uh, probably not nationally, but state by state. Um, and I, and I think we have to be ready for it. And, and like the stoner said, we have to have a plan, you know, on how that works. Cause if they were to go from two and a half to 10, for example, in 2018 and 2020, we would have been fine because we found a one-on-one -on -one race to run. I got 24% in my race last year statewide. Um, so I would have cleared whatever hurdle they put in place. Right. But, but if we didn't find that one-on-one -on -one race, we would have been screwed because our next right. best person was 2.4. You know what I mean? So we just have to, um, and maybe it's being proactive and trying to find that, you know, we need two and a half percent in, in a wide variety of races rather than just statewide. And maybe we proactively try to decrease the ballot restrictions rather than fight it once these guys get an ant up their ass, you know? Todd, perfectly said. Uh, tell everybody where they could find you, social media, anything you got coming up you want to plug, please, sir, it's on you. Do it. Yeah, best way to find me is just Twitter um, at Todd Hagopian, H-A-G-O-P-I-A-N. I also have libertarianandchief.com, which I'll probably spin back up for my LNC treasurer run in 2022. Nice, which, by the way, I always love Libertarian and Chief. I always love that tag. Uh, guys, if you aren't already following Todd, go follow Todd. He's consistent as fuck, too, by the way, I, which I love about you and, and like Dave and other guys. Like It's like consistency matters. So 
consistent Todd. Go go follow him. Todd, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, again, follow me at Adam Nutter on all the stuff. Uh, come see me do comedy. All right. Peace. Thanks for listening. Find Adam on social media, Twitter and IG at Adam Nutter or Facebook and TikTok at Adam Nutter Comedy. And for podcasts and merch, check out www.droptent.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.